What I love is the fact that we were able to implement a system and see immediate results in areas that matter to business owners. And that's when I I decided to take off and, and make that my life. Welcome to episode 157 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have Jace Maven. And Jace is an independent system consultant specializing in construction. So again, just listen to um, his title there and how applicable his content is for all of his contractors. And he dives into everything from product and reputation to the experience, what the difference is between customer service and customer experience. And honestly, as he was speaking about that, it really rang true with me that as I look at businesses that are successful, they don't focus on customer service as the customer experience. And how does that break down? You know, as you think about your vision as a company, which is step one up to the final execution, amazing content from Jace. He's so knowledgeable about business and building businesses and systems and how we apply those into the design and construction world. So without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Hunting in the Beach in November. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. We have Jace Maybon with us. Welcome, Jace. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. So Jace is an independent systems consultant who specializes, especially in construction. And uh, to be honest, I didn't even know there was such a thing, right? I mean, think about most of us builders are trying to figure out like how to get our systems in line. And yet right at our fingertips, we have Jace out there as a specialist. So uh, maybe I'll start with this. You know, How do you know that, uh, that you have good systems as a contractor? Yeah, thanks for the question, man. Um, and uh, and first of all, really quick before I get to that question, dude, thank you for for uh, that intro. Um, there's not a lot of system cons- consultants out there in our industry, and uh, what a bummer, right? Because that's that's uh, that's everything, dude. That's how we're that's how we're making money. That's how we're um, running successful businesses and adding value to the world. And um, and man, we need help with it. And uh, well, it's funny you say that because you you said we're running businesses and the. What's interesting is many of us think as contractors, and it doesn't matter if you're a designer, architect, anything, most of us think, why well, own a construction company or a design company? It doesn't matter what industry, you own a business, you're a business owner. So why aren't you focusing on the business, on your systems, on your organization? And so many times we get focused on maybe the craft, which is really important but we miss the business acumen side. Yeah, dude, beautiful. Uh, very well said. In fact, that's that's the thing that I love the most about systems, dude, and why I get so hyped and, and energetic about this is because, dude, it's, it's, uh, it's universal. Uh, the principles of a great system and what a great system does, it is, it, it is implemented, those things are implemented into any kind of thing that you're trying to excel at, right? So whether you're a, a stay-at-home mom or own a business in any industry or trying to get through college, it doesn't matter, an athlete, um, the, these principles are universal. I just happen to live in the construction world. And so that's the language I, I speak. That's how I talk about it, right? So hopefully the stuff that we talk about today, um, your listeners, whatever walk of life they're in, they can pull some kind of value out of it. Um, and and there's, some, there's some good solid stuff that they can implement right away. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's all about value, right? And But as you think about systems, I mean, as you're thinking about business in general, specifically a fee business such as construction or design or architecture, I mean, what are in in your experiences you're consulting with companies what where do we miss the mark like where are a lot of us making mistakes or where are things that we're doing good yeah so so that's perfect yeah and and back to your original question sorry i didn't mean to derail us um no it's totally okay so so right there i mean how do this is a fluid conversation jay so that's how this goes great i bounce around so don't worry good good yeah so um yeah how do you know if your your systems are on point where are we missing the mark? Dude, this sounds froofy and you just have to like, trust me on this for a sec. It's vision. Um, I mean, that's step one, right? So, I mean, 
everybody, um, people ask me all the time, I, Jace, how do I, how do I upgrade my system and whatever it is, right? I mean, from sales to operations to pre-con, like how do I bridge that gap? How do I make that system flow better? Or how do I up my construction schedule or my warranty system, whatever. And my response is always like, well, I don't know, bro. What, what do you want? What do you try? Where are you going with it? What are you trying to, to figure out? And do you, are you trying to be leaner? Are you trying to be faster? Are you trying to be the most, um, trusted custom home builder or the fastest production builder? I mean, I don't know what, what are you trying to get, um, to, to get to? And, um, once we can, once we can identify that and get super clear on it. And, and by the way, this is for not just the, the company as a whole, but that, individualized system within the company, right? So what's your vision for the company as a whole, but then also what's your vision for sales? What's your vision for pre-con? What's your vision for purchasing and estimating? Um, and as soon as you can get super clear on that, then we document it and, and make it extra freaking clear to you and to everybody involved in your business, including your employees, your trade partners, your investors, your banker, whoever it is, and your family and your friends, right? Anybody that could be touching or have an influence in your business in any way. We want to get super, super clear on that because the power that comes from that is that then we, once that's done, we can roll up our sleeves and get to work building systems that are very intentionally pointed towards that vision. Um, then everybody's paddling in the same direction. Everybody knows why they're doing the things that they're doing day to day. It's very pointed. It's very direct towards that vision. And that is the magic moment. That's when we start seeing traction and we start seeing real change for the better in your, in your business. It's interesting that you said that with vision because there's so many applications, not just to systems, but to marketing, right? And as you mentioned, I mean, marketing is a big part of that strategy. And you even, you even said here, I mean, what's your goal as a company? Are you want to be lean? Do you want to be like profitable, trustworthy, are you building luxury? I mean, what is the whole goal of the company? And then from there, you break it down. But what's interesting, I was just having a conversation with someone about this someone earlier this week. They had called me. Uh, it's a marketing firm. They're going to be working with a client uh, that is a mutual connection. So like, I know this person. I work with this person. I don't want to give away like, if it's an architect or designer, but long story short, I know this person. And they're like, well, Brad, what kind of, as we're working with their marketing strategy, you know, we kind of want to talk to you about this. And, you know, I said the same thing. I mean, really, it's like, well, a lot of us, even as you think about marketing, we're marketing where we're at today or previous projects instead of where we're going. Like, where do we want the company to go? And we need to market to that for the ideal client. It's no different than the system side, right? JC, you're saying, if you really understand why you're in business and the direction your business wants to go, well, once you have that, now we can build some building blocks here and then figure out what's your organizational chart look like. And if it's one person right now and you plan on getting to 15, what is it going to look like? How do you pass the baton? How do you document? Right, essentially, that's what you're explaining is all these things as you as you start to grow as a company and, and know where you're going. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I mean, it, it starts with the vision, setting that north star, right? Something, to, something to work for. And and a lot of people, what I've noticed, dude, especially in, in these smaller companies, the owner has like this unspoken vision. Um, they kind of know like what they want this business to be doing for them, um, but it's not communicated. Um, and that's that's like number one mistake, right? I mean, as soon as as soon as you can document that and talk to everybody around you, and and I mean literally, like document it, print it out, go talk to everybody, hand it to the, hand them a physical copy of what your vision is, where you're going. Um, Hey dude, I want to be the most trusted custom home builder in the nation. And I'm going to do that with this system, this system, and this system. Are you on board? Like, are you ready to go? Are you, are you going to jump on and, and do this with me? Then they're, they're crystal clear on what you're trying to do. And then they know how to help you get there. And most people want to help you get there, right? But until you do that, then you're just spinning your wheels and there's all these problems are created where there's a misalignment in expectations with your employees, um, with your trade partners, with anybody else um, involved with the business. And it's because you're missing one simple thing, and that is clarity on your vision and what your intentions are for the company. Um, and so that's it. Dude. I mean, like you, you figure that out and, and then you roll. And then after that, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of like what makes a great system, um, there's two things, dude. There's two indicators. These are like high level overarching indicators that 
that would tell me if your systems are operating the way that they should be um, at their like highest potential, right? The first one is your time, measuring your time spent on activities within your unique ability versus activities to keep the ship above water, right? So are you running around the ship throwing buckets of water out or are you repairing the holes so it stops leaking so you can start doing things that really bring value to the world? Um, and so that's like the first quick test, right? Do some self-evaluation as the leader. What are your unique abilities? What's your offer? What are you going to do every day? That's going to actually bring value to your clients and to the world. And how much time are you spending on that? Um, and if you're having problems figuring out what your unique ability is, that might be a conversation for a whole nother time. I, I <laughs> go back I, to the vision, go back to step one. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I mean, like we could go on, on and on about that. I mean, what I'll say ultimately is you've got to find it because here's the truth, dude, it, it, you've got to find who your authentic self is. And the reason why is because your authentic self is the most valuable thing you can offer to the world because it's the most scarce thing that you have. Nobody else is like you. Nobody can do what you're trying to do the way that you do it when you're in your flow, when you're, when you're doing what you're passionate about. And until we have systems and people in place that allow you to be able to function that way, you're just going to be a systems manager. You're not going to be operating the way that you can, you can value uh, or add value to the world, if that makes sense. It does. So I need to break this down a little bit because you said some really impressive things here. So when you are talking about, you know, time spent activities on your ability, right? So essentially, whether it be you're focusing on your business or on business development or marketing or, you know, the fruits of your labors, if you will, is building this brand, as opposed to putting out fires, just dealing with emergencies all the time. Like that's how, that's the metric that's low hanging fruit we can all track to know, are we running a successful business or are we just barely staying afloat, right? And so part of that challenge is people. I mean, I, I, ideally you need to have the right people. And so maybe this goes back to another question is that how do you know when you have the right people plugged into the right systems? Because I, and, and I'll give my application. I know as we've made some very unique hires and we've had some great people join our team, what I've seen is that now a lot of them are even saying, hey, Brad, I, I'm doing this day to day. I have this recommendation. I think we can do this. And they'll come with these amazing ideas. I'm like, this is genius. Let's do it. Let's implement it. And you know, collectively, they're the right people. They're helping bring things up that are going to help us be more efficient now and put out less fires. And so any secret to making sure you have the right people on board that now can help implement the systems you're speaking to? I love it, man. That's one of my, one of my favorite topics to, to talk about. Um, I used to say that people are any organization's greatest asset. Over time, I've learned and I've, and I've adjusted that statement to the right people plugged into the right systems are any organization's greatest asset, right? You can't mask mis, uh, uh, crappy systems with rockstar employees. As hard as you try, I've seen people try to do it where they like load their staff with these incredible rock stars, but their systems are broken and it just doesn't work, right? And on the other side, you can't, you can't mask your misplaced employees. And I won't say crappy employees because I don't believe there are crappy people. I think there's just misplaced people. You can't mask the, the misplaced employees with rockstar systems. They'll break them. It won't work. You have to have both, right? There has to be a balance. So how do you know if you've got both? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of hard. There's not, there's not really like a silver bullet or, or a secret to this. Um, the truth is, is like, yeah, you've got to track all of the KPIs, the, the um, profitability. Generally, how's your business running? Is it going smooth? That's all the automation stuff. Um, but when, when it comes to any operations in any organization, you've got to find this sweet spot between human involvement and automation, right? And part of that is, I mean, we can't, we can't forget the human side of, of getting to know our people, getting to know how they are motivated, right? What, what is motivating them day to day? Is it more time to recreate? Is it more money? Is it title? Is it status? And then what are they naturally gifted at? And I I'll say this, dude, I, so this is kind of like a stretch of an analogy, but it's my, it's, it's what I always think of whenever we talk about this. Um, 
I love to snow ski. That's like my passion. It's what I it's what I love to do. I became very passionate about it several years ago and decided I was going to learn to do it the best that I possibly can, right? I wanted to like uh, tackle these massive mountains and do all this backcountry stuff. So I I dove in and I started learning. And the thing with skiing is that it's always changing, right? The consistency of the snow, the temperature, the terrain. There's so many variables that are out of your control, and it's and and it's just this ever changing world, which means you have to always be adjusting to successfully track your way through the terrain, especially in the backcountry. And I was skiing with a good ski mentor or coach of mine, a good friend who's a very seasoned backcountry skier. And I was frustrated one day with my progress. And he was like, dude, just remember that there's no replacement for time. You just have to spend time on your skis in the snow. And eventually all of those variables, those those uncontrolled variables that just pop up will just kind of feel like second nature. You'll know how to respond. You'll know how to adjust and and you'll be rolling, right? And I know it's a stretch of an analogy, but it's the same with leadership when it comes to knowing if you have the right people in the right systems. There's no replacement for time. So yeah, track all the data, track the KPIs, measure your profitability, stay in bounds with payroll to revenue ratios, all of that stuff. That's all automation stuff, but don't forget the human side. Um, you have to spend enough time with your people to understand and keep tabs on their ever-changing lives. And the most important thing here is that you have to be willing to act when you see that um, there's a misalignment. As soon as you see that 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 a, an employee is misplaced or a system isn't matching up with them, um, you've got to act. Because while the right people plugged into the right system is your greatest asset, mismatched people and systems will be your greatest detriment. It's fascinating. I mean, Jace, as you're speaking about this, I mean, is it, you know, the time element I think is really important because it, you know, when you speak about understanding how people are motivated, and it's one thing to say, okay, Jace, if if I work for you, if I'm one of your employees, and you're coming to me like Brad, it's one thing to say, okay, well, what motivates you, Brad? Are you motivated by money? Are you motivated by vacation? I mean, it's not like, I mean, in some case, I probably want to give you the right answer anyways, yeah, like because you're my boss. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Yeah. I, I kind of want everything, right? That's why I'm an entitled employee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't mean that like in an offensive way. I'm just, you know, having a little fun with this. But I guess the, the point of it to your is the time, right? Or the time around that person, whether it be uh, team building events, whether it be team lunches, one-on-one time, you know, interviewing, whether it be um, auditing, you know, 90 days after the employee's in and then, you know, doing reviews and performance reviews and setting goals and, you know, as as you mentioned, as you're setting these things as an individual with each employee and getting to know them on a personal level, and maybe there's time outside of work that you're spending together, you kind of know what drives them. And this is your point is as you're around them and you spend time and you get to know them. I I think for most of my people, I know what motivates them, what, you know, what their goals are, kind of their personality, what drives them. And essentially that's what it is in management leadership, right? When I understand that's going to help me better as a leader to understand if they are misplaced. If I have them on a job, they're not being successful and we're, we're hitting our head against this because the client's not getting along or they're not, you know, I may have to make a, ch- a, a, a change and I better do it quicker, you know, more sooner than later, you know, to not only just save the relationship with my potential client, but also my employee that may be disgruntled. Dude, I'm so happy that you mentioned doing it sooner than later. Um, as soon as you recognize that misalignment, you've got to act so swiftly because if there's one lesson I've learned in that topic, it's that indecision kills. Um, it will kill relationships. It will it will kill confidence. It will kill morale. Um, as soon as you recognize it, you've got to act swiftly, not in a panic, right? Like don't be drastic and do anything crazy, but but when you're confident in that mismatched situation, you've got to act swiftly for sure. Uh, it's interesting you say that. So, um, you know, going back to the sports analogy, I mean, you gave up the skiing one. And and as you mentioned, when you're spending time on the slopes, right, Chase, you're, you're, you're just going to understand different scenarios and uh, lack of better word, you know, how how is the snow, you know, is is there ice out there? I mean, is there elements impeding you, you know, and certain jumps as you're moving down the mountain. I mean, all these things are going to impact and it's just second nature becomes second nature as you're spending time. But going back to the indecision side, the morale, and you said this, the morale of the people is so important because we definitely, if we're not looking at this closely with our employees, their morale can be, you know, a big detriment to their motivation 
and the company morale. And more importantly, going back to sports analogy, where I was going with this is that you look at sports teams that are real successful and they always say, you know, the ones that are not successful are typically when that company culture is bad, they'll have someone that's toxic or, you know, routinely showing up late to meetings and they're not performing on the field or, you know, they have other things on a distraction, but they're super talented, but they have these side issues and it kills the culture because everyone's like, well, if they're treated different and they're not performing, you know, why do I care? And so the biggest mistake we make is even if someone's really talented, if they don't fit the culture and, you know, you can affect the morale of everybody else, which is a complete culture killer. And when you say act swiftly, this is something I didn't move swiftly enough. So we had an issue before where as we're growing as a company, you know, I'm, I'm trying to empower all my people and my senior construction manager, Adam's like, Brad, we need some help in the field. Like we need some direction. We need some field. I don't have the time. You don't. And it should have happened sooner or later, but I promoted Spencer to director of operations. And man, had I been more swiftly, Jace, had you and I had this podcast a year ago, <laughs> I would have promoted him a year ago and acted way more swiftly. And it was a game changer because I should have done that way sooner. I didn't, but it totally fixed. Uh, and we had good morale, but it just fixed some of the things that we're all dealing with that really set the tone for the company now. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, that's a, that's a perfect example. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's a, we, we could go on and on about, about, um, company morale and culture and, and how important it is. <clears throat> it's, it's hard, man, especially when you're talking with these small business owners and builders, because we, what I've noticed, dude, is everybody wants to have an ROI on everything, right? There has to be a return on investment for anything that you spend time on or that you spend money on that you give resources to. Um, what I see all the time is like, well, yeah, I mean, we can talk about vision. We can talk about morale. We can talk about all of this stuff, you know, like matching up people and systems. Um, but, but like, how is that going to make me money? Right. I'm going to spend all this time and money on this, <laughs> but, but how is that going to put money in my pocket? How's that going to fix my profit margins? Right. And it's hard, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I, my, my goal is to like preach to the world, um, especially in the construction industry that, um, that there's, there's two, there's two parts to change. There's inspiration and then there's application, right? And we're so focused on things that are just can be immediately applied. But, but if we can figure out how to inspire builders or anybody in any industry to, to, trust that these things will change, you know, that these things will, will put money in their pockets. Although it's indirect, I can't show you on a spreadsheet how, but it happens. Right. And, and so, um, I'm, I'm on a goal dude to, to get people to, to drop their egos and to realize that they need systems and it's okay to learn that from other people. And, and we have to accomplish some of these kind of like high level Fruity things like vision and and um, and matching up employees and systems that kind of stuff. Um, we have to take care of some of those things first, and then we can roll up our sleeves and we can get to work on the stuff that has like immediate ROIs. You know. Well, it's interesting. I, I love that example because I think there's a lot of truth in there for any business owner, including myself. Right? You're looking at okay. Well, can I afford like you know to bring on this employee? Can I afford this position? I'm you know I'm promoting to. Um, but the fact of the matter is. And this goes back to the original concept here is the vision, right? If you have a vision of the company that, hey, these are my ideal clients. This is the type of work I want to do. Well, the only way I'm going to get that, like for me, if I'm pursuing you know, the luxury market, you know, for me to be successful in that market where all these clients have successful businesses and they have operations and systems, they expect that from me. They expect me to have the same organization, communication, you know, business savvy mentality as they do. And so if I want to get there, I do have to invest in my business. I can't just sit here and dream about all day, like you're saying, take that inspiration to application. So it's the long game. It's not just today, where am I at financially today? But yes, we have to plan. We still have to make overhead and hit payroll. But at the end of the day, if I'm planning to this, I'm going to build my system to attract that ideal client, You know, the vision side, I'm already marketing to them. Now I'm building the systems in line. And ideally, you put this together that, yeah, you start to work on this the people come in, there's a landing zone for them. You're carrying their hand through the process. And now we're executing with all the difficulty that surrounds us in, you know, supply chain and labor and everything else. Yeah, dude. So, um, I mean, 
let's take that what you just said and 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 talk about like that execution side right so the there's the inspiration the application all of that stuff w- what we do um w- what anybody needs to do is look at this one very very key element of an of a high performing system that that has actual ROI right and if we can what i'm going to talk about here if we can really like get builders business owners anybody to see this then they'll see the the importance of vision setting and and some of that other stuff that doesn't have the direct return um and that is system leverageability right so in business we always think about leverage in terms of like money all the time right and but but we're we're missing this really massive thing and that is how leverageable are your systems so here's what i mean by leverageability in systems and how you measure it it's measured by input to output ratios right so we're going for minimum input of resources for maximum output of two things that is profit and reputation so there now we're already speaking the language that builders want to hear right instead of like the vision stuff profit and reputation those are the two things that we need to run a successful business and i mean like you can you can put different words to it or subcategories to it if you want but overarching high level i mean that statement holds true profit allows you to produce a product and reputation allows you to sell the product so you need those two things to successfully operate. So look at your look at your company, look at your systems and how they're running. Are you putting the minimum amount of input, meaning steps, effort, money, whatever, any kind of resources in return for the maximum amount of output in profit and reputation and reputation, right? So that as soon as we really evaluate our systems in that mindset, um, we can start to see like, oh, dang, okay, no, I'm probably like 17 steps too many in my pre-construction process. And that needs to be watered down. I can definitely put less input for maximum output there. And then it's like, yeah, okay, great. So let's talk about it. What's your vision? You know, what, where do you want to go? What do you want that to look like? Great. We got it. Document it. Share it with everybody. Awesome. Now let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work. I love that. And I was just taking a bunch of notes as you're saying this because I've never heard it put together so cleanly, right? Or accurately as far as when you talk about the output is production and reputation. And as you were saying that, I was taking some notes. I'm thinking about this and all. It's so true. I mean, the companies that attract me or that I've seen very successful, one, they have the product I want, right? And two, they have the reputation to stand behind it. And that is, you know, in construction, it's so often we miss one of the two. Right, and as a builder, I think about this. Okay, um, I may have, uh, you know, and they really go side and side. I mean, as I think about this, I builders that I tour that are struggling, or maybe a client has built with someone else, and they come to us. You know, I look at this, and and typically maybe the product, you know, the end result isn't the quality they wanted. You know, that affects the reputation. I mean, they really go hand in hand. But I love the example you gave about the pre-construction process because. Sometimes we could be overdriven in the process, where as you said, we may have 15 steps too many, and now that's affecting how much input I'm putting in for the output. So there's a balance there to understand really what our system is, that customer journey. And so how do you recommend to get better feedback with that? And what I mean by that is you mentioned this early on, trade partners, right? We all have trade partner suppliers, we have clients. Is there a good way to track how my superintendent's doing or my coordinator doing with the people that they're hiring, suppliers, trade partners, clients? You know, how do you balance that aspect just to get a pulse on what the community or reputation is out there outside of our business? So are you asking just to make sure I'm clear on your question? Are you asking like how are we how are we really measuring our success in that? Like how do we know if we're if we're fifteen yeah, steps? Yeah, like too how many do we or- know yeah, how do we know if we have too many steps? How do we know that it's been an emotional process through design and pre construction with the client or our subcontractors? How do we know that maybe the build itself was maybe exhausting on the subs because we're asking too much or we're not organized. You know, is there a way where we have, you know, how as a company do you, can you audit that? I love it. Yeah. Great question, dude. Um, I, I'll start by this, by saying this, um, we need to take the emphasis off customer service and put the emphasis on customer experience. Um, and customer experience applies not just to the people we're building houses for, but also to our trade partners, anybody that's working for us. Right. And you could even go as far as to say, what's, what's our experience, what's the experience for our employees. Um, and 
where I, I don't know if you've heard of David Averin. He's a customer experience coach, super awesome guy. Um, had him on my podcast a, a couple a couple days ago, and um, he talks a lot about the the fact that being able to treat people nicely, customer service, that is just human stuff. Like you should just be able to figure that out. If you don't know how to treat people, you've got bigger problems on your hands, right? Um, so so good, we sh- good call. Yeah, we should never we shouldn't we shouldn't be spending any time with our employees training them on customer service. What we need to do is shift their mindsets to examining and becoming scientists of the customer experience. Um, so that means constantly evaluating that that process, that input, right? That system. How many steps are we taking? How much are we asking out of our subcontractors? How much are we asking out of our homeowners? Are the expectations clear? Are we living in that world, in that headspace of, are we delivering an experience, um, an experience that we're proud of to the people that work with us and to the people that we're building for? And if we're living in that mindset, and, and I love to to use the word scientist, if we're a scientist of that, like constantly breaking it down and understanding and experimenting with it, um, that mixed with some good old fashioned industry best practices, right? Getting some coaching, getting some education in the vast amount of professional development resources that are out there. Um, over time, we can really understand and hone in um, okay, this is the best possible experience that I can provide for the people that I'm working with. This is, uh, I, I think you just hit the market with me just to be transparent, Jason. I mean, this, this, it, you've essentially solved one of my dilemmas as a business owner. And you said, you know, too many times we focus on customer service, right? And this should just be part of the course. Communicate, answer your phone, treat people nicely. Don't scream at your clients, right? It's, it's just, low-hanging fruit to communicate. But more importantly, the customer experience. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking, okay, what does that experience look like? And there's a couple ways to take this. One could be, well, what's that timeline? What's the journey, right? Pre-construction, starting a project with selections made. Okay. That, that, that's probably part of it, right? Schedule-wise. But I think more importantly, and this is an issue we have, just to be open here, is that you become desensitized in a way. Like if this were my house and I get a change or let's say for $800, like I'm going to be like, whoa, like what, you know, what was this $800 for? What does it imply? Like what happened here? You know, but when you're dealing on a high level client, this could just come across your desk. You pass it through without really thinking twice about it. Right. And sometimes clients will be like, what, why am I paying for this? Or what's this for? And we haven't given them a good experience. We haven't set the tone. We haven't. Uh, you know, vetted it properly with the trade partner on what the cost is and why there may be an extra chip charge or whatever. And it's that experience from like pricing modules to, you know, the schedule to setting clear expectations. And it's that whole customer journey that really builds your success and your reputation is understanding, well, what's that journey look like? How can we communicate and make the experience better? Which in turn will just fix a lot of these issues anyways. Yeah, so I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna take your example because it's a great one um, and a common one, and and go back to that original statement on leverageability, right? So so you've identified the problem, and and you see what needs to be done, and and the the mistake that I see so many people make is they they identify this problem, great great awesome first step, you've you've identified it, now they immediately like overreact and implement all of these like systems and protocols and policies and, <laughs> and all this stuff to make yeah. sure that like, you know, this 800, this unexpected $800 um, change order doesn't happen again, right? And, and what they did is like, maybe they built some systems to solve the issue, but remember leverageability, right? Like identify the problem and then figure it out what is the fewest amount of steps? What is the what is the smallest input that you can that you can put in to get the maximum output, meaning reputation and profitability? Um, and and when we can figure that out, great, it's it's powerful. Take that to the next level. Figure out how to automate it. Figure out how to take the human out of it. And and remember, find that balance between human human involvement and automation. 
Um, so, so yeah, recognize, dude, I don't like getting this $800 change order. Well, yeah, nobody likes it. That sucks. And, and it's, it's a stressful thing to deal with for you guys, for the trade partners that are involved with it and for the buyer, it's not a good experience for anybody. Well, just make sure that when you find your solution, that it's minimum input for maximum output and that it is that, that you're able to, to, um, automate it. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops, you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. So going to the automation side, at some point, as we're trying to automate these things, there is going to be some written backup to a certain degree, right? So that we have our, you know, operating procedures or you know, how, how we act as a company in these situations. And so we have to have some formulation, some timeline, whether it be in building a schedule template or, you know, just the process. The first time that I get a phone call until the client moves in, what does that look like, right? So without exhausting our resources, ourselves as a company, you know, it's important to document, as you're saying, this issue comes up, okay, we have to document it. We have to understand it. We have to find the most effective way to do it and automate it. You know, is there a good process or effective way to document the process, even if it may not end up final writing in our SOP manual, but at least internally so we can audit that situation? So, okay, how do we, you know, attack this in the future? Yeah, great question. Um, there's there's a few a few ways to do this, right? I my my rule of thumb, what I like to stick to is um people aren't gonna really get things until they've they've digested it seven times, seven different ways. So you've got to document it and, and it might feel like a stretch sometimes, but I kid you not, when I work with builders, this is what I do with them. We, we set up a system, whatever that is, that process, we document it one time really clearly in what I call a, a DGO, a digestible graphic organizer, right? Basically an infograph that is very digestible, one page, easy to understand, easy to digest, um, that show, I even use animations if we have to write something very easy to get. <laughs> and, and that's like your main, that's your first go at it. Right. 
and that's awesome. But remember seven times seven ways. So then we sit down and we're like, how else can we do this? How else can we document this? Can we do it through training? Can we do it through Facebook live trainings, right? Can we do it through an email campaign? Can we do it through a text campaign? Can we do it through one-on-one coaching with our trades or with our employees? Find seven ways to document and to deliver. And then I will legit set up calendar dates with it, like put it on the calendar and plan to execute each of these seven things. Um, And it might feel like overkill sometimes, but it's one sure way to drive it home and make sure it happens. And that's very similar. I mean, I, I'm not trying to tie marketing in here, but they always say even with marketing, you have to have seven yeah. touch points, right, with yep. the customer. And as you mentioned, just internally, you have to have seven times seven ways of different methods of approach here to how we're going to broach this, you know, this issue and fix it and automate it and digitize it, or as you mentioned, make it, you know, perhaps a drawing even if need be. You know, as you're looking at this though, how does this have an impact? You know, as you look at your company, if I'm trying to audit my company without me hiring a third-party company to audit them. You know, how impactful are systems to the happiness, productivity, and success of the employees themselves? Yeah, so you look at it like this. There's um, a, a, a system, part of a great system that's functioning has to be policy, right? So Otherwise, it's just a suggestion, right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna implement a system that you're gonna expect your employees, your trade partners, everybody else, your especially your your buyers to 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 cooperate with and to live inside of, there has to be policy. You have to say, yeah, you have to do this or else, right? Whatever. So I like to use the analogy of of a kite, and you've probably heard this. The the, the first time I heard it, it was I think like in the context of like moral fortitude, but it has a really, really great, um, a great, uh, analogy to, uh, business success into systems. Um, you look at a flight or, or a kite and how it flies high and strong. Right. Um, and it's attached to a string. As soon as you cut that string, the flight comes, the kite comes crashing down. Right. And, and meets it's, it's the, uh, um, meets the unforgiving ground. It's no bueno, right? So to the inexperienced bystander, you look at that, that string and you think, well, that string's holding that kite back. Um, that kite's going to fly to the moon. If you just cut the string, let the kite go. And as soon as you do, you know, we know what happens, but really in reality, that string is what's allowing the kite to fly so strong and so high. And that's what a solid system with a solid policy and and procedure in place does for our employees, for the morale of the company and for everything else. If they come to work every day and they know this is how I operate, I can come and I can own this. I can take ownership of it. I understand how the system works. I understand the boundaries and I'm going to come and kick butt at this today. They can fly high. If you pull that away from them, then it's questions all day. What do I do? How do I operate in this situation? What do I do with this? Am I going to make the right choice? You know, is Brad going to be pissed at me because I did this instead of this? I don't know. And then they can't operate with confidence. They can't fly high. So attach the string. Um, they they need that structure. I love that you get that example. And to be honest, I've never heard that example with the kite, but it's interesting because as you mentioned, and I've said this on the podcast before, because the more I interview like entrepreneurs such as yourself that have built successful companies and or understand how to build companies too, one of the two things they always say for employees to be successful or to have good employees or good company culture is number one is they have to understand what their scope of work is and how they can be successful, right? So they can come in and work and they know what their job is. They know what their scope is. They know how to perform. They have the tools readily available and the understanding. So if you've solved that, essentially you've solved the biggest issue with employees, right? In hiring. Now, with that said, taking a step further, and this is me evaluating as you're speaking, you know, it's like for the, uh, we've been in business almost 10 years and I see the empowerment with our employees. You know, we've done our best to keep them where they understand their scope of work, who they're responsible for, who they're responsible to. And it allows them to be successful. And it's really helped me with turnover. Furthermore, taking this another level is like, there's still things that come up like, hey, Brad, and I got this call yesterday from one of my guys. And he's like, hey, Brad, we have this issue on site. 
We don't have a budget for it. How do I handle? And I'm like, well, you know, he's, he's in this position. He could actually make this decision himself, but he doesn't know that. So what am I doing not teaching him or enabling him or empowering him to like say, hey, we have a budget for these things. Sometimes you may just eat the cost because it's an unforeseen or we made the mistake. And I have to clearly let them know that they may have a little, lack of a better word, a kitty account or a little spending account that maybe they could be bonused off of that now they can track the stuff and they can make those decisions. And so really it's like, okay, well now Jace is teaching me how to do this. How do I seven times, seven ways bring this up in my production meeting to now take this off. So as a company, we're running even more efficiently and I'm not having to take those calls. So as you said, with number one, you know, I have time spent activities that are on our ability and not taken away from the company. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, incredible stuff. Um, I, I love it. And, and there's, there's always this question that pops up, right? I mean, when, when light bulbs start to go off in our heads and we're starting to see like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like I need to start doing this stuff. Um, one thing that I really love to talk about is, um, is how to overcome the trap of, 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 um, intentions living off of intentions without ever actually implementing the change. Right. You, so, real quick, if I, if I interrupt you real quick, Jason, what's interesting, and this maybe doesn't have a lot with what you're saying, but I've always thought just as human ideology to get along with other people. 10 years ago, someone said, you know, we judge other people off of their actions and we judge ourselves on our intentions. And that had a huge impact on me. I thought about that. I'm like, man, it's so true, right? Like I'm going to judge you, Jace, on the actual physical things I'm seeing you do or the mistakes you're making whether it be in your personal life or physical life, not just catering to you, but you know, just in general, right? Whether it be a professional athlete or actress or you know, Hollywood person or whoever, politician, you know, we're judging them on these things. And it's like, well, I wouldn't, you know, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't do that. So like we judge ourselves on intentions. And if we sit there and take a step back and be like, well, you know, that just is a human element that most of us don't do right. And essentially with business, keep going as I interrupt you, just speaking about the intention side. No, you're good, dude. I love that. In fact, I've, I've not heard that before. And, and it's so true. Um, <laughs> and, and dude, the thing is, is like intentions aren't bad. They're just misunderstood. Um, and, right. and, and we, we've, we fall in love with our intentions so fast and we judge ourselves, like you said, off of our intentions. There's this thing that happens to us, right? Like where, say we have a crappy day and we're like, ah, oh, freak, you know what? Whatever. Today was today. And then we start imagining how we're going to be tomorrow. And that gives us, uh, this like shot of endorphins, um, like a drug, you know, cause it feels really good to picture ourselves as a rock star tomorrow. And then we wake up and tomorrow happens and we have this intention and we don't actually do it. And then we like what happens when you get really high on drugs, there's always the crash, right? And we're, we're like in this hangover and we hate ourselves because we didn't become that rock star that we pictured ourselves being yesterday. And it's this really, really bad cycle that we get into. But the, the thing about intentions is that we need to, we need to recognize what their purpose is and then accept the fact that systems are what change us, right? Or what change, whatever you're trying to change in your business. Um, a while ago, I was struggling to be an optimistic leader to my team, and I was constantly focused on the gap instead of the gain. I, I don't know if you've read the book, The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan. If you haven't, you should definitely read it. Um, it, it talks about how wherever we're at in our pursuits, we could, we could spend our time focusing on the gain, how far we've come, or the gap, how far we have to go, and how usually focusing on the gain, how far we've come, is the more productive mindset. Um, so I was focused constantly on the gap. Um, I was discouraged daily with how far I needed to go, with how far the, the business needed to go. And I woke up every day doing the right things, what I thought were the right things, right? I get myself all hyped up in my mind. Um, I'd set these great intentions. I built up all this energy and this momentum. And then I'd go to work. And sure enough, day after day, I would come home depleted and defeated. Um, it wasn't working. Those intentions I was setting in the morning, they weren't working. And so I actually met this guy while I was in the middle of this time. I met this guy at church and I was talking to him about this. And he was like, he was like, dude, intentions, good intentions are great, but they're only good for getting started. 
They don't do the changing. Intentions get you moving, systems do the changing. He told me that if I was struggling to be optimistic, to try this system. And so he said, put five pennies in your right pocket and go to work and make it a goal to compliment or lift somebody on your team genuinely, right? Let them know that they're doing a great job, whatever. You're super excited for them. You think that that they have all the potential in the world. Mentor them, help them, train them, whatever. Lift them in any way that you can. And every time you do, move one penny from the right pocket to the left pocket. And don't take your pants off at the end of the day until all five pennies have been moved over to the left pocket. And I was like, that sounds stupid and corny and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but, but he was like, he reminded me of, of the, the famous Einstein quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to give this a shot. So I tried it. And, um, and sometimes, you know, I, I stayed up or at like 10 o'clock at night when I was ready to take my work pants off for the day, I still had two pennies in my pocket. So I sent quick emails to lift people on my team, whatever. And, and I was committed to it and dude, I'll tell you it freaking worked. Um, because what happened is I started to be more thoughtful every day in about the the gain about how far we've come about lifting others around me and i started naturally thinking about that instead of thinking about how far we have to go still and ironically that is when we started to see the most progress and that's when we started to close that gap right um and this happened not because of my intentions but because i understood the purpose of an intention which is to get me started and then an effective system that worked for me is what made the change. It's interesting. And you bring up the Einstein thing, and I'm going to touch on something I saw, and I don't know if this is like folklore or if this is attributed, so I'm just going to preface that before I share. But <laughs> okay. Essentially, the story goes that you know Einstein's in his classroom, and he's teaching his class, right? And uh, you know he goes through what's one times nine, and it's nine. You know What's two times nine, 18? And he goes through you know three times nine, 27. So anyways, he gets down to the last one. So first nine math equations are right. And the last one he just writes up, you know, nine times 10 is 91. And the class is laughing at him. And he's, you know, like, what's funny? And they're all, and he, they're all this, you know, you, you have the wrong formula. He's all, no, this is right. And they're like laughing at him. And he says, well, why didn't any of you laugh or make a comment on the first nine that I wrote up, right? And none of them said anything. So on number 10, he says, you know, all of you are focusing on the mistake, right? You're not looking at the nine things I got right. You're looking at the one I got wrong. And he said, those doers, the people that are out there doing stuff are going to make mistakes, right? As they're out there. And so many times we focus on that mistake as opposed to the nine things we did right. And as an entrepreneur and mindset, and this really goes to what you're saying is a lot of times, you know, since people are focusing on the gap, not the gain, that we have had progress, right? And it's that mindset and just the simple application of the five pennies from right pocket to left pocket, you know, there's just not enough empathy, right? Not enough empowerment. There's not enough um, motivation. And it's not this false humility. It's not being fake. It's just there's intention, as you said, to go out. But then part of that attention is now, as you said, it's the systems you know, that make the changes. And so if mentally as a business owner and as a motivator and as we're building these systems, that if we can understand that and take this intention to reality, now you know, you're catching this fire, if you will, and you're going the right direction. Yeah. And the beautiful thing of it, Brad, is that we don't have to do it alone. Um, and, and so many builders I see feel like they have to do it on their own. I, one way that I love to illustrate this is, um, the, the difference between the Roman Legion and the, the German barbarian armies, right? I mean, I don't know if you've seen the movie gladiator. Have you seen that movie? With oh yeah. Russell Crowe? Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic <laughs> yeah. movie, right? The, the Great opening movie. scene of that movie, as you remember, is on one side of this field, you've got the, the Spartans, the Roman Legion, right? And they're, they're set up in their battle formation. They've got their shields. They've got their systems. They've got their leaders. They're cool, calm, and collected. And then you look on the other side of that field, and you've got the the German barbarians, right? And these guys are beaten on their chests. They're loud. They're strong. They've got their all their different weapons, and they're in no um, orderly formation. They're just like screaming and ready to flip and go. And 
it, as you remember, and sorry to any of your listeners that haven't seen it, <laughs> it's an old movie. You should have seen it by now. But the um, spoiler alert: <laughs> the the Ro- the, the yeah. Romans. I mean, they smoke them, right? I mean, they beat them, and um, and it's so funny, dude. We we tend to be as business owners we tend to take that barbarian approach so often we especially builders for some reason in the construction industry we we get big and loud and we have these giant egos beating on our chests and we operate with this like just do better and work harder mentality and it might work a little bit but it's not going to get you very far and you're going to die of a stinking heart attack by the time you're 60 because of all the stress and um if you look at the the roman legion and how they're disciplined and organized and innovative they're systematic they 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 conquer them they succeed they go far and it's possible to do it's possible to do that for your business it just requires us to drop our egos and recognize that brute strength work ethic and good intentions aren't enough we need a system and it's okay to learn that from somebody else. You don't have to be the genius. You don't have to have all the answers. I know it feels like it, but you don't have to. It's okay to drop that ego and, and find help. So before you answer this, I'm curious where your background is, Jace. Like, you know, you're you're obsessed about systems, which is really rare in construction. I'll say just outside of that, where I found a lot of value as a business owner is is not just networking, as you mentioned, so many times we're trying to do it by ourselves, right? And as we've opened up those channels of communication with other builders. I've seen how other builders have inspired me and assisted me and helped me, you know, understand my business and job costing and pricing and marketing and all the little things that go into running business. Even more importantly, as I network with my clients or people outside of construction, and this goes back to the whole context of the conversation is that we're business owners, not just contractors. So understanding business and how other companies have built brands and been successful and built, you know, um, this following that they have, there's so much application to the construction world. For you, uh, where does this come from? I mean, for someone as young as yourself that is obsessed about systems, I mean, how in the world can that be the case? Because I, I would think you'd be like 60 years old and you've run like 50 businesses, but you're so young and you already know this stuff now, you know? I- I guess I'm just a nerd. I'm not like other kids. <laughs> I know, honestly. Part-time I, nerd, part-time skier, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could ski for my whole life and make money doing that, I'd forget systems in a heartbeat. But um, no, it's, um, I, I mean, my background is I, I went to school for finance and I got into the construction world. Um, and I actually started working for a home builder here in Boise, um, and as a superintendent, right. I was just the dude on the field, um, in the field doing, doing the stuff. And, and I mean, it was cool. Construction's fine. And, and, um, I, I kind of enjoyed that process, but I certainly knew that's not where I wanted to be. Right. Um, so as I, as I continued to learn about the business, I was introduced to this, uh, this concept of pre-construction. And back then that wasn't really a thing yet, um, in, in the construction world, not for a lot of businesses at least. And I went to our owner and I was like, dude, we've got to do this. We need, we need a pre-construction system. I, I see this vision on how it could make construction, the, the actual operations go so much smoother. And, um, he's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Have at it. You know? So I owe a lot to him. Um, he pulled me out of the field and let me kind of build this pre-construction system. And I worked with consultants across the country. Um, some really incredible guys that opened up their books to me, opened up their business to me and really helped me to, to understand, um, the purpose of pre-construction and how a great plan is the difference maker um, between a profitable project and, uh, and a failure of a project. And I don't know, dude, I mean, that process of figuring that out, implementing it, and then, and then watching how it actually did affect construction, um, how the jobs went from seven or eight months to build to five months to build, and how our profit margins went from, um, you know, like struggling to hit like five or six percent net up to like a minimum of 12, 13, 14% um, net margins. And, and then how we started noticing that like variances on budgets um, went from who knows what, you know, five, six, sometimes 10% um, from the original budget to the final review 
to because of these systems we were implementing, we were we're we're hitting never ever above one percent variance from the original budget. Um, and I started to see this power, right, and all these different things we could do with it. And I and I was like, holy crap, this is what I love, you know, like not building homes. That's whatever. I I don't care. What I love is the fact that we were able to implement a system and see immediate results in areas that matter to business owners. And that's when I I decided to take off and and make that my life. So it's interesting. I mean, as you think about this, it's funny because us as builders, you know, we we understand that to build a great home, we have to have a good plan set. And yeah, the plans are important, the permits important, but a lot of times we're moving forward without selections and design. And those two play such a role, right? Where's the floor outlet going to go because furniture layout? And so all these selections, and I remember I had builders saying, Brad, when do you hope to have selections by like frame stage? And I laughed and I'm like, how can you even start or break ground without selections made? Because you can't really build an accurate schedule. You can't get material now where materials like impossible to get in so many cases, you can't plan for it in order and time without maybe giving away every single detail of you building this. What were there some areas of focus as you start looking at the pre-construction that yes, change our build time from eight to five months that changed, you know, profit margin. I mean, what did you focus on being that you had nothing, you know, pre-construction wise before that? Yeah. Um, number one is a purchase order system. Um, and, and a purchase order system like done right. Um, right. And, and we could, we could dive into that whole thing and it would take forever, but, but if you've got <laughs> if you've got a, a a PO system that is being executed before you ever break ground, right, completely for every facet of the project, um, and then that is followed up with a very clean and simple variance purchase order system VPO process. Some people call it other things, uh, EPO or whatever, but a, a VPO process that's attached to the PO process. That right there gives you leverageability. Um, and I'll visit that phrase again, right? That definition, minimum input for maximum output of profitability and reputation. If you can figure that out, that's kind of like the heart and soul of a great purchase order system. It puts the power in your project manager's hands. It puts the power in your superintendent's hands. And um, it allow, it gives you the upper hand. It gives you the ability to run a smooth smooth progress, uh, uh, project. And so let me ask this as we're, you know, getting down to close, I want to be sensitive to your time too, Jace, but you know, for me as a luxury builder, it's pretty open-ended, but in a production world where you have production homes, when you're talking about like a PO or VPO system, is this just for, you know, when something's executed with a client or you're, or move forward with maybe a spec home as a production builder or model home that the purchase order has to do with your suppliers and subcontractors, right? Information in, information out that they're following that. And so it's automating, you know, purchasing lead time. So now the field has everything documented for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, I would make the argument that it is, it is definitely um, applicable to full custom builders as well. Um, I, yeah. The, the process of, of um, not just collecting the bids. Um, I mean, anybody can get uh, their purchasing department to shrink that cycle time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the easy part. Um, I say you've got to have all your bids in 30 days. That's how long the pre-construction process should take 30 days, custom builder or not. I mean, we can figure it out. Um, and when you're done with that, what are you doing with those bids, right? How are you collecting signatures on those POs? What is, um, what is the, uh, trade partner contract associated with those POs? What's the policy? And then how, what kind of system do you have set up to be able to execute on that down the road, right? So when a change order comes along or some kind of variance for any given reason, how is it handled? And um, are all of your trades onboarded to the system and, and do they understand why it's happening that way? Um, so that they're like all game for it. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a bunch of broken relationships with your trade partners, right? Um, so, so if you can figure that stuff out, then yeah, I mean, it's it's great and it's applicable to production all the way to custom and anywhere in between. Jace, yeah. outside of all the system stuff, outside of all the systems that you're doing, you know, what do you do in your free time outside of skiing? I mean, what 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 are your interests outside of just obsessing about us contractors fixing our poorly run businesses? <laughs> <laughs> 
the, I'm not fixing poorly run businesses. I'm upgrading efficient businesses. Um, I like that. There you go. Yeah, honestly, dude. I I mean, first and foremost, I'm a dad. Um, so I I I am the father of two crazy, rambunctious, wild little Tasmanian devils. Um, uh, my my two boys. They're they're awesome. They're a blast. And, uh, and obviously my, my uh, time with my wife as well is, is a big deal to me. So we, we love to travel. We love to, um, hang out together and, and play sports. And, um, and that's, that's probably the main thing. I mean, that and skiing and I'm, I'm a happy camper. I love it. So for, for closing here, I mean, what do you have that's upcoming and exciting, you know, especially with everything you're doing and then where can our listeners find you? Yeah, thank you for that. I am I am about forty thousand words into a book um, that that I'm excited to. It's amazing. Yeah, to get to get published and get out there. It's all about systems. It's about the stuff that we're talking about today. Um, my goal is that it's it, it will be something that people want to just have on their desk and um, and have highlighted and that it's tattered and worn and used as a as a guide for them to. Um, always be getting their systems upgraded um, and to to ultimately creating a business that offers them a better life um, something that's that's predictable simple and profitable right so that's uh, that's in the progress that's probably my biggest project that I have going right now otherwise I actually really just the, my services as a, a construction systems consultant is relatively new um, I, I've just launched, and so that uh, that alone is kind of a big deal for me right now. So um, I am open to work. <laughs> Anybody that, that would love to spend some time with me and uh, let me check out their stuff and make some recommendations, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me. Um, so just Jace Mabin, J-A-Y-C-E-M-A-Y-B-O-N on LinkedIn. That's a good way to, to reach out. Well, Jace, you've been amazing. Can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise and uh, even giving me about 10 nuggets here I get to go apply. So thank you. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. It was a blast. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.